Hello and welcome to the Zero to Finals podcast. My name is Tom and in this episode I'm going to be talking to you about endometriosis. And you can find written notes on this topic at zerodefinals.com slash endometriosis or in the gynecology section of the Zero to Finals Obstetrics and Gynecology book. So let's get straight into it. Endometriosis is a condition where there is ectopic endometrial tissue outside the uterus. A lump of endometrial tissue outside the uterus is described as an endometrioma. Endometriomas in the ovaries are often called chocolate cysts. Adenomyosis refers to endometrial tissue within the myometrium, which is the muscle layer of the uterus. Let's talk about the etiology. The exact cause of endometriosis is not clear, although there are several theories. No specific genes have been found that cause endometriosis, however there does seem to be a genetic component to developing the condition. One notable theory for the cause of ectopic endometrial tissue is that during menstruation, the endometrial lining flows backwards through the fallopian tubes and out into the pelvis and the peritoneum. This is called retrograde menstruation. The endometrial tissue then seeds itself around the pelvis and the peritoneal cavity. There are several other possible methods for endometrial tissue exiting the uterus that have been proposed. Embryonic cells destined to become endometrial tissue may remain in areas outside the uterus during the development of the fetus, prior to the woman being born. And then these embryonic cells later develop into ectopic endometrial tissue. Alternatively, there may be spread of endometrial cells through the lymphatic system, similar to the way cancer is spread when it metastasizes. And finally, cells outside the uterus may somehow change in a process called metaplasia from typical cells of that organ into endometrial cells. Let's talk about the pathophysiology of the symptoms of endometriosis. The main symptom of endometriosis is pelvic pain. The cells of the endometrial tissue outside the uterus respond to hormones in the same way as endometrial tissue in the uterus. So during menstruation, as the endometrial tissue in the uterus sheds its lining and bleeds, the same thing happens to the endometrial tissue elsewhere in the body. And this causes irritation and inflammation of the tissues around the sites of the endometriosis. This results in cyclical, dull, heavy or burning pain that occurs during menstruation in patients with endometriosis. If there are deposits of endometriosis in the bladder or the bowel, this can lead to blood in the urine or the stools, particularly during menstruation. Localised bleeding and inflammation around the endometriosis can lead to adhesions. Inflammation causes damage and the development of scar tissue that binds the organs together. For example, the ovaries may be fixed to the peritoneum or the uterus may be fixed to the bowel. Adhesions can also occur after abdominal surgery. Adhesions can lead to a chronic, non-cyclical pain that can be sharp, stabbing or pulling and is often associated with nausea. Endometriosis can also lead to reduced fertility. 
Often it's not clear why women who have endometriosis struggle to get pregnant. It may be due to adhesions around the ovaries and the fallopian tubes, which blocks the release of eggs. Or it could be due to kinking of the fallopian tubes and obstruction of the route to the uterus. Endometriomas in the ovaries may also damage eggs or prevent effective ovulation. Next let's talk about the presentation of endometriosis. Endometriosis can be asymptomatic in some cases or it can present with a number of symptoms which include cyclical abdominal or pelvic pain, deep dyspareunia which is pain on deep sexual intercourse, dysmenorrhea which are painful periods, infertility and cyclical bleeding from other sites for example, hematuria with blood in the urine. There can also be cyclical symptoms relating to other areas that are affected by the endometriosis, such as urinary symptoms or bowel symptoms. Examination of somebody with endometriosis may reveal endometrial tissue which is visible in the vagina on a speculum examination, particularly in the posterior fornix, a fixed cervix on a bimanual examination. So when you perform a bimanual examination, the cervix is fixed in place and not mobile. And tenderness in the vagina, the cervix or the adnexa. Next, let's talk about the diagnosis. A pelvic ultrasound scan may reveal large endometriomas and chocolate cysts. Ultrasound scans are often unremarkable in patients with endometriosis. So patients with suspected endometriosis, even if they have a normal pelvic ultrasound scan, need a referral to a gynaecologist for further investigation. Laparoscopic surgery is the gold standard way to diagnose abdominal and pelvic endometriosis. A definitive diagnosis can be established with a biopsy of the lesions during laparoscopy. Laparoscopy has the added benefit of allowing the surgeon to remove deposits of endometriosis during the surgery and potentially improve symptoms. Next let's talk about staging. The American Society of Reproductive Medicine or ASMR has a staging system for endometriosis. It's worth being aware of this staging system however it's not mentioned in the NICE guidelines and it does not necessarily predict the symptoms or the difficulty in managing the condition. NICE recommend documenting a detailed description of the endometriosis rather than using a specific staging system. Therefore, it's unlikely that you need to know any staging system in detail. However, the ASMR staging system grades endometriosis from least to most severe, with stage 1 being small superficial lesions stage 2 being mild but deeper lesions than stage 1, stage 3 being deeper lesions with lesions on the ovaries and mild adhesions, and stage 4 being the most severe with deep and large lesions of endometriosis affecting the ovaries and also extensive adhesions. Next let's talk about management. There are three helpful guidelines for the management of endometriosis and these are the RCOG Green Top Guideline number 41 on chronic pelvic pain from 2012, the ESHRE Guidelines on endometriosis from 2013 and the NICE Clinical Knowledge Summaries from 2020. 
The initial management of endometriosis involves establishing a diagnosis, providing a clear explanation of the condition, listening to the patient, establishing their ideas, concerns and expectations and building a partnership with the patient, and analgesia as required for the pain, such as paracetamol and non-steroidal anti-inflammatories like ibuprofen. Because establishing a definitive diagnosis of endometriosis requires an invasive procedure, a laparoscopy, it's worth trying hormonal management options first to see if these help before you even establish a definitive diagnosis. First line is the combined oral contraceptive pill, which can be used back-to-back without a pill-free period if this is helpful. And this prevents endometrial shedding and may improve the symptoms of endometriosis. Other options are the progestogen-only pill, progesterone acetate injection or Depo-Provera, Nexplanon implant, which is the progestogen-only implant, the Mirena coil and GnRH agonists, which induce a menopause-like state. Surgical management options include laparoscopic surgery to excise or ablate the endometrial tissue and remove adhesions, which is called adhesiolysis. And the final option for treating endometriosis is a hysterectomy, although it's worth noting that even after a hysterectomy, the symptoms may still be present and troublesome. It's worth noting that laparoscopic treatment may improve fertility, and hormonal treatments may improve symptoms, but they don't improve fertility. It's worth giving an explanation of the different treatment options and why they help with endometriosis. Cyclical pain can be treated with hormonal medications that stop ovulation and reduce endometrial thickening. This can be achieved by using the combined contraceptive pill, oral progestogen-only pill, the progestogen depot injection and the progestogen implant or the Mirena coil. These treatments theoretically not only reduce endometrial thickening inside the uterus but also in the ectopic endometrial tissue leading to a reduction in the size and the activity of the ectopic endometrial tissue or the endometriosis. The cyclical pain in endometriosis tends to improve after menopause when the female sex hormones are reduced. Therefore, another option for treatment of endometriosis is to induce a menopause-like state using GnRH agonists. Examples of GnRH agonists are guzarelin, which has a trade name of Zolodex, or luprorelin, which has a trade name of Prostap. These GnRH agonists shut down the ovaries temporarily and can be useful in treating pain in many women. However, inducing the menopause has several side effects such as hot flushes, night sweats and a risk of osteoporosis. Laparoscopic surgery can be used to excise or ablate the ectopic endometrial tissue. In women where there is chronic pain due to adhesions, surgery can be used to dissect the adhesions and attempt to return the anatomy to normal. A hysterectomy and a bilateral salpingophorectomy is the final surgical option, 
and during the procedure the surgeon will attempt to remove as much of the endometriosis as possible. Importantly, this is still not guaranteed to resolve the symptoms. Removing the ovaries also induces menopause and this stops the normal hormones of the menstrual cycle and therefore stops the ectopic endometrial tissue responding to the menstrual cycle. If the woman has infertility secondary to endometriosis, this can be treated with surgery. The aim is to remove as much of the endometriosis as possible, treat any adhesions and try to return the anatomy to normal. This improves fertility in some but not all women with endometriosis. So thanks for listening to this episode on endometriosis. As always, a big thank you to Harry Watchman for perfectly editing the podcast and I hope you join us for the next episode, which will be on adenomyosis.